0: Today, we're connecting the dots on the missing piece, architecture and well-being with Phil Camp. Now, Phil Camp has over a decade of lead architectural management experience on projects ranging from new commercial office towers, mixed-use multifamily development, and custom residential and boutique commercial offices. He received his bachelor's degree from the USC School of Architecture in Los Angeles. Go Trojans! Uh, Phil is also... Uh, L-E-E-D and well certified and has an A-E-E certified energy management certification. Phil is an active advocate for sustainable design and the value of our architecture. He repeatedly participates in speaking engagements that include the Bank of Hawaii, Hawaii Developers Council, USGBC, and the Hawaii chapter of the Appraisal Institute. Um, Phil, first of all, thanks so much for talking story with us. Yeah, thanks, Kanoa. Happy to be here. Uh, Now, Phil, this is um, maybe something that oftentimes um, maybe gets overlooked or people aren't thinking about in kind of the foundational levels of what a working, healthy office space looks like. So let's talk about how architecture really affects workplace wellness. uh, And if you can, share a couple of examples for us. Yeah, not a problem. It is
1: something that people overlook. Um, You know, when you really think about it, it's pretty simple if you just think about how enjoyable it is to be in a. Dark, cramped space, like a closet or something, versus a well lit, you know, open, natural ventilation kind of area. And we're fortunate enough to enjoy a lot of that in Hawaii. So when we're thinking about it through a design perspective, it's really uh, captured from a premise that's called the three thirty three hundred rule. So that three thirty three hundred rule basically says, in any office setting, uh, whether it's here or in the states, uh, you're spending about three dollars a square foot on utilities, about thirty bucks a square foot on rent. By far and away the biggest expense are the people it's also the most important for any business the, the people are the people are always the most important part so keeping the people healthy and and you know functioning and attentive is really what uh, health and wellness and design is all about so um that that's kind of where the role starts and it starts to uh you know tackle what, why it makes sense both uh practically and economically um you know when we're talking about actual uh examples there's there's tons of them um yeah, we just wrapped up the uh, American Savings Bank uh, Center. It's uh, Malka's side of Ala Park, if you're familiar with that project. But you know, some of the things that we have in that building, they have uh, large uh, circular stairs, or not circular stairs, but these, these huge stairs in the center of the, of the campus that go all the way up and connect all their office levels. So it allows people to engage, but also you know it's kind of more carrot than stick. It incentivizes people to use the stairs instead of saying you have to use the stairs. They have some really beautiful, huge stairs that allow for uh, kind of chance meetings on these stairs, but it gets people up and out of their seats. So it's a way that gets them activated, gets their blood flowing, gets people uh, engaged. And then, you know, the, 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 it can go on and on. I mean, there's all kinds of other examples. Getting a lot of natural daylight in a space is another huge one. Um, but it's anything that you know, we can do through the design of the space. Um that improves your health and wellness just by being there. Because another part of that 330, 300 rule is Americans in general spend upwards of 90% of their time indoors. So I know you're a real active guy and you played a lot of sports and you're outside a lot. And we like to get outside is, you know, living here in Hawaii, we're fortunate to be able to do that year round. But still, if you're in a commercial office setting, you're inside a lot, you're in your car, you're at home inside. And then your office inside. So if those places are healthy and the air quality is good and the water you're drinking is good and the lighting is good, it's not messing up your eyes. um, You you can see how that directly affects your health and wellness. And if you're productive at work, your work product's good, right? If you're not productive at work or worse yet, you're sick and at home and you got a lot of sick days, uh, the productivity of that office goes down.
0: So that's the general premise. Um, Now, Phil, another thing we're talking about are these uh, productivity retrofits. Can you explain what those are? So, you know, from our firm, we we typically will go in and and look at a place. I mean, obviously uh, design
1: is important to us. That's what we are. We're designers first and foremost. Uh, Architects really focus on the, you know, we we like to focus at least at our firm and hierarchy um, on the user experience. So when we're looking at productivity retrofits, we're trying to find ways to create our design and effectuate it in a manner that improves the health and wellness or the productivity of the people in those spaces, right? So we'll take a look at things right off the bat. Um, and we're also kind of like a, um you know, we, we try to look at uh you know two birds of one stone kind of thing. So the existing building space has a faulty HVAC or the is kind of uh not running so good, we'll look at ways to improve that HVAC that does two things, reduces energy costs, um, but it also is better air quality for the people inside. So if you're in a place that has, um, you know, really bad air quality, you're, you're not too attentive, right? You're falling asleep, or worst case scenario, in like a sick building syndrome and getting sick. Um, so, you know, that's one of the productivity retrofits. Or uh, looking at lighting, uh, light quality affects your intergangular receptors in your eyes and how you respond. It affects your sleep cycles. So if you have really bad lighting in an office place, it really affects how you live and breathe, how you operate, right? So when we're trying to increase the productivity of the people within the space, those are the kind of things we're looking at, the things that affect the the occupants more so than the the building itself.
0: Uh, Phil, let's talk about, and and we're talking about this earlier a little bit, but um, sustainable design uh, and what that means and the type of impact uh, that it has. So... You know, a lot of people
1: get caught up in sustainability and lead certification and well certification, all those things, and these fantastic acronyms. But at the end of the day, it's it's really good designs, design that makes sense. So you talk about the triple bottom line or triple triple net. Um, you know, we sometimes refer to that as the three Ps: uh, people, planet, and profit. So it used to be the bottom line for every office traditionally is what your balance sheet showed, right? How much how much uh, revenue you're spitting out at the end of the year just profits um you know these days we try to look at it um in a manner that captures all of those and if you're looking at all three of them it usually benefits the profitability anyway right so you know when we're trying to look at sustainability it's not just being green it's being green in a manner that it's uh, socially equitable so that it's benefiting everybody not just the c-suite people in the in the building and then it's also helpful in reducing the the uh, environmental footprint of that office place. So it's good for the Ina. It's it's helping the land that we all grow up, grew up on and live and love. And <laughs> we want to save it for our kids as well, right? But doing that in a way that benefits profitability and there's, there's ways you can do that. And that's the, that's the way we look at it through design. That's right. It's all about balance. Yeah, it has to be. <laughs> yeah. You can't, you know, if you go too far, one side on the tangent or too far the other side, uh, usually it, it doesn't
0: make good sense anyway. So, um, you know, why not try and find a way that makes sense uh, for all three of them? Absolutely. Now, how does, um, how does this impact employees, workplace wellness, uh, and just the community surrounding the building? Well,
1: yeah, sustainable design tackles all kinds of things. So, you know, I mentioned the stairs, uh, in the ASB campus building so that, you know, I've spoken to a lot of people since they've been in that space, Um, and it really helps them. It gets them up. It helps them. You know, some, some of them are actually saying they're, they're getting more active. They, they feel more engaged. Uh, so from a physical design of the space, if you can activate people to move, to be engaged, um, you know, that that's really how it helps. But there's other things that directly affect your health and well-being. well So we talk about paints or, or carpeting materials or some of the materials we use in the built environment. There's a lot of volatile uh, organic compounds in them. You breathe that in; that affects your health, right? So we try and find things that are, um, you know, that will last a long time, but they maybe cut down on the VOCs. Uh, and the same thing with your HVAC: the the filtration of the HVAC, the air conditioning. Um, if it's poorly filtered, or you're not getting a lot of clean, fresh outside air, you're breathing that in. And if you're breathing in uh, stagnant not filtered air, especially in the age of COVID, um, you know, that, that's sharpened a lot of people's senses about how important that is, but it's always been important. You know, it's, it's not just because of COVID that's important. There's sick building syndrome long, long before COVID and it'll be with us long, long after. So, uh, you know, tackling, tackling things that improve the, how improve your health and wellness in
0: a building are really
1: important and, and you can definitely do that through design.
0: Uh, Let's talk about well, for for people who don't know, and just the basic science of physical and social environment uh, and what kind of impact that has on um, the benefits of overall health, well-being, especially, um, as you mentioned before, obviously in the business place, people are the most important part and the type of impacts it can have on productivity uh, and the performance of uh, people working in the building.
1: Sure. Uh, you know Well is somewhat of a new certification platform. Uh, it was established in about 2014. I think I, I became a well-certified uh, accredited professional in 2015. So I think I was literally the first in the state of Hawaii to get accreditation. But it's it's similar for those in the built environment to LEED. So it actually was set up through the same platform, the United States Green Building Council. So LEED's been around for several decades. Um, the differentiator between those two certification platforms as well lead certifies the building it kind of focuses on the bricks and sticks the building itself well uh focuses on the people in the building so how the how the building affects the people so it'll you know hone in on things like uh, air water nourishment light you know even uh, what kind of food gets served there's a cafeteria on site you know they look at you know are, are you pumping out a bunch of sugar and uh you know fats and and making your people not healthy or are you thinking about what you're giving to your people but it also talks about water turbidity so is the water being clean you know Flint Michigan brought up a lot of those issues where People had you know really bad water and getting really sick. Uh, we got our own issues here with Red Hill, right? So, making sure the water is clean, um, so there'll be filters and requirements to monitor that water in those in those buildings, uh, so that your occupants and
0: your employees
1: are, are healthy and operating at a high level.
0: Uh, and what are some examples uh, in Hawaii of a well-certified building? Uh, our
1: our American Savings Bank campus was the first uh, well-certified building in the state, so that's pretty interesting. Initially, when it was built out, it was not certified. During the pandemic, uh, Beth Whitehead over at the ASB called and, and asked, hey, Phil, so what can we do to help help our team i mean their their whole culture is about helping their people so if you remember we like to forget but at the beginning of the pandemic everybody was really concerned there were, there were no vaccines people were concerned about what can we do to help with the health and safety so actually at that same time the well institute had stood up this uh, rating platform which is a hybrid of the basic well certification it's called well uh, uh what's it uh health and safety. So it's focused specifically in respect to the, the COVID pandemic. And it really, we honed in on addressing and improving the health and wellness of the HVAC system and some other cleaning protocols. So on that building, we uh, upgraded the filtration system. Luckily, that HVAC was robust enough already that the, um, the fans and the systems allowed to increase the filtration. So we went from, I think, MERV 8 filters to MERV 13. What does that mean to the common person? It just means that. The air is way more filtered, so it's a lot cleaner. As you're inside the office working all day, um, and again, COVID or no COVID, that's a huge benefit to your health and well-being if you're working in that building. Uh, and then they did a bunch of uh, enha- enhanced cleaning protocols, so they're cleaning cleaning surfaces to make their staff feel safer. Um, so that actually became the first, uh, one of the first in the nation, but certainly the first in the state. To obtain that certification, and then I believe today they still uh,
0: ASB is still maintaining that certification and trying to keep their people safe and happy and healthy. Earlier on, you mentioned that well was somewhat of a newer certification, but LEED is uh, something that's been around for uh, a number of years. Um, but for for people who are listening and and don't have the background on it, what does it mean to have a LEED certified building, uh, and what are some examples that that are here in Hawaii? So it's, again, similar to Well, it's a it's a
1: certification platform. So it's, um, you know, some people kind of knock it. It's like, oh, it's just a plaque you hang on the wall. But it, it, it you know, it's kind of like, you know, if you won the national championship at UH when you're playing football and you had the national championship, you would love to have that plaque, right? It, it not it's just something you hang on the wall. It represents all the hard work you put into getting there, right? So same thing, the certification process. You can see a couple behind me. I know this is not on camera, but uh, we got a couple... Uh, more than a few platinum projects that we've designed um it reflects what you put into the design and how is it um it's captured during the construction process so lead focuses on the building there will be a lot of similar things so today we talked about some of the voc content on the materials uh, it also talk about your um, mechanical systems um, and and a lot of the materiality that goes into not only the the finished product but some of the product that goes into the building structure or even the glass or the chipboard and those kinds of things how much recycled content. So it also talk about how it affects the community right so if your project during construction is just generating tons of waste that's not really good for us either right so you want to be sensitive about being efficient and uh, controlling the waste product so that lead is a little more of a certification process of how the structure itself was built again, and then well is more on how it impacts the people. So I think for us locally, we got some really great projects that we're proud of. Uh, our Keohol Lane project in Kakako is a lead platinum project. So that's affordable housing with about 30,000 square foot of retail on the ground floor. Um, some, some people might know, I think uh, Down to Earth is kind of the anchor tenant on that project, but that was lead platinum. Uh, we did a, uh, uh, commercial office space for Haole Malolo Foundation. during in the old uh, historic Dillingham Transportation Building in downtown Honolulu. Um, that was one of the first lead Platinum interior projects in the state of Hawaii. And then we have a uh, see, we have a, a LEED Platinum project, um, Kauai, another affordable housing project. So. Um, yeah, that we've got quite a few in the state, and we're not the only architects, obviously. There's other architects that have some great lead projects, but those are just a few examples of projects we've done here locally.
0: Phil, why should businesses, uh, especially those who, who are listening to this podcast, consider making their building lead or well-certified if they aren't already?
1: You know, I think at the, at the base level, uh, it helps um, recognize that the building is, so it's a third-party certification, right? So it's not just you and me saying, hey, my building's great. You know, come rent from me or, you know, come live in my building. If it's a residential building, it's it's a third party certification. So someone else coming in, whether they're a business looking to rent, uh, they know that 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 place is safe, healthy, focused on health and wellness, and, and it's going to keep that uh, high threshold. Right. So uh, it's one thing to say your building is healthy or, or safe. It's another thing if it's third party certified. Um, in today's day and age, especially with the <clears throat> softening of the office market, um, you know, I think it's a differentiator in the in the commercial office market. You know, so our commercial office market is pretty soft here right now in, in Honolulu. So if you're doing a new office project or you're redeveloping or repositioning an existing office building it, it certainly helps differentiate it so when you're trying to attract um, um new tenants it's a it's a differentiator and then on the residential side similarly it attracts uh you know residents because they know their their apartments going to be really uh, healthy and safe but it also helps retain people right so they, they know if they're comparing properties and then one of the tertiary benefits that we've seen on our affordable housing or any housing, if it's lead certified, it seems to attract people that actually care a little bit more about what they're doing in that space or carrier. Sometimes they care a little bit more about the, the community they're in. So when they leave those units, and we've heard from our uh, large-scale development partners that have thousands of units nationwide, their lead properties, when people leave those units, tend to be better kept and not as abused as the project it, it, it. I never would have known that if I didn't work with you, know, big developers that have thousands of units. But that's one thing as a real economic return. If you've ever owned apartments, you know how much cost and effort goes in every time someone moves out. So in the lead properties, it seems that the tenants care more. I think, and um, yeah, that's a that's a great side benefit and also an economic one, right? So that triple bottom line kind of thing that there's real money and economic return there if you have uh, less turnover costs.
0: Uh, Now, for those who are are just getting started with workplace wellness, um, let's just talk about a few cost-effective ways ways that employers can improve uh, their employees' workspace. Like, for example, here at Hawaii News Now, it was interesting, uh, our GM reached out to uh, fitness people who who work in our building, and now we have kind of like this makeshift little workout area, like kind of cornered off uh, in the office, which has been like pretty – Good utilization amongst the employees, but just like another way of, um, you know, again, a cost effective way to just kind of uh, improve kind of overall uh, mental and and physical health. But yeah, if you can, you know, more examples like that of cost effective ways uh, employers can improve their employees' workspaces.
1: Yeah, I I think I mentioned a little bit early in the pandemic, our our firm, um, you know, stood up a, a couple web pages on our website just to help people in the built environment. Again, there was. At that time, there's no vaccines, but, you know, we've been focusing on healthy uh, workplace environments for well over a decade at that point. So we just said, hey, why don't we share some of our monologue and let let people understand, okay, these are quick ways you can do to improve the health and wellness of your built space now, like today, right? And this is, again, pre-vaccine, everybody's like, "What, what can I do so, you know, some simple things that we suggested, and if you go look at our website, I think we still have that page in there somewhere, and we did this big infographic with diagrams and things where you could do and where you could really hit, but it usually hits on the, on the simple commonplace things that you can do. So one is improving uh, ventilation, right? So if you look at the corollary between being in a pipe closet and meeting with someone and meeting with someone outside, so you want to move towards more ventilation. So You can do simple things in the office, adding HEPA filter fans would really help. And you can get those online, right? Just portable fans, but getting air moving. So you're not sitting in a stagnant uh, workspace environment. Good for COVID, but also good just for attentiveness and getting uh, more fresh air moving around in the space. The other one, simple things you can do is some signage that help people address, you know, um, what to do if they're sick or not sick, so no one feels uh, uncomfortable. And then cleaning protocol. That's probably the the simplest thing. And again, that was part of the well standard long before COVID. And it made sense, you know, what do you, why do you think your doctor's washing your hands before and after every time they meet with you, right? It's, washing your hands is simple stuff, but uh, if you can incentivize that um, or help, help people do it and then in cleaning the workspace. So, you know, wiping down surfaces that get touched, high touch surfaces is, uh, is another, you know, those are, I mean, the, the list goes on and on and on. Um, but those are simple things you can do right now. You don't need an architect. You don't need to renovate your entire work workplace. Um, but those little things. Um, and I think the other big one that makes a huge difference. Again, you don't need us to uh, come in and redesign your spaces. Uh, taking a look at your uh, workforce or your company's uh, protocol. Right? Do you incentivize people to stay home when they're sick, or everybody comes in no matter sick or not? Right? Uh, those those kinds of simple things really make a, a difference in in how healthy your workforce will
0: be. Also during uh, COVID, Phil. I mean, as as many things did, these hybrid work environments became more and more utilized. Uh, and I don't wanna really want to say post pandemic because it's it's like everyone's still continuing to navigate it differently. But you you touched on on how we can do it, kind of in in the office setting. But uh, what are some things people can do uh, with their home office? I, I think it's
1: gonna you know kind of as it's the same things, right? It's, it's still, you're focusing on the health of the person. So whether you're at home or at work, it's still looking at the same thing. So at home, you, maybe you don't have a, um, a cooling tower or something with a big HVAC system that you might have on an office tower. So you're just going to crack the windows, right? That's, that's the best. <laughs> we, you can't do that in an office building, but you can do it at home, you know? So getting the windows open, getting that natural ventilation, getting a lot of air exchanges. That's one of the best things from a, indoor air quality environment, especially here in Hawaii, it's not like we're in Beijing where the air quality outside might not be that good. In Hawaii we're very privileged to have some of the best, you know, air to breathe in the world. Um so getting that getting your, your space open. Uh, getting natural daylight in into your workplace is a huge benefit but doing it in a way that you're not dealing with a lot of glare and it's messing up your eyes and having a hard time working on a computer so setting up your your home office environment where you're getting a lot of natural daylight but it's not too extreme um and and again same thing you can talk about the cleaning protocol so whether you're at home working in your home office or in a commercial office uh you know just you know keep taking care of your place and keeping it clean uh, Will, will help you know certainly if you're working at home you probably have kids and if your kids are sick you know how that goes so keeping the place clean will help uh, uh we go through that drill a lot with our kids in school so uh those those same those same things hold true whether you're at home or or at work and then i think technology obviously making sure you've got ways to communicate and, and whether it's slack or zoom or whatever the, the purpose of it, it's not a, a big effort to communicate because staying connected is still important whether you're remote or not
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And I think the overall message is just uh, whether at the home office or at the office, you know, amidst the coworkers, there are things you can do uh, that employers can do to just help productivity and well-being. And uh, it it was good talking with you because that is oftentimes um, the thing, you know, the workplace oftentimes maybe gets overlooked in terms of, uh, you know, the ways it can better serve the employees. Which, as yeah. you said, is the most important thing. Most important. Any office building. <laughs> any any business, for sure. It's the people,
1: man. If, if, you, if, you, if you're not thinking about how to take care of your people, you, you, you're definitely
0: not going to have a successful business. Well, right on, Phil. We want to thank you so much for helping us connect the dots on the missing piece, architecture and well-being. Connecting the Dots is a UHA-sponsored podcast. UHA was founded by physicians. And the caring that physicians have for people really powers our company. We help businesses create healthier workplaces. We make
1: accessing care simple for our members. And we strongly support our community. This year, UHA celebrates 25 years of better health. Building connections with people through a caring heart. That's UHA Health Insurance. Visit
0: uhahealth.com.